0: I am going to do my best to deliver, like, a TED-style talk this morning. I'm going to, try to, I'm going to try to be concise and potent, because <laughs> um, uh, I'm actually really excited about the series that we're starting into um, for the next, next number of weeks. I'm going to be teaching for the next three weeks, so this week, a bit of an introduction. Couple weeks, and then I'm going to hand it over to Brady, who's going to come at things from a bit of a different perspective. But I think it's still in. There's a real synergy, I think, and I'm, so that's really exciting. Um, so I had this eureka um, moment, and I don't even know when it happened exactly, but uh, I've done a lot of of um, teaching and uh, kind of equipping artists as part of what I've done over the last four or five years in particular within the Vineyard movement. And um, and I stumbled across, in preparing for some of that, this passage in John. I really like John. I reference John an awful lot. I like the other Gospels too, by the way. It just, just kind of so happens in this season. It seems to be very resonant over and over again. Um, but there's this passage in the fourth chapter of John, and uh, Jesus is uh, is confronting... Uh, or being confronted by i guess the re- the religious people because he's doing uh what they consider to be religious work on on their sabbath and so he's healing people and uh i guess i guess that comes across as being pretty hard work or whatever <laughs> and so they are very offended by him and they're confronting him And he says a number of things that that trip them up in all sorts of ways. And the the passage is wider than this in its context. But there's a phrase, there's a statement that Jesus says that I think uh, it actually speaks to the whole arc of the Bible. And he says, uh, my father is working until this day. And I too am working. Right? And um, I've read that passage and I had read that passage so many times right? Yep. Jesus is doing what the Father is doing. This is solid teaching. This is, this is kind of at the core of our ethos, the way we act out our faith. But the, the, the phraseology that Jesus used in that moment all of a sudden jumped out to me. My Father is working until this day. My Father is still working. My Father is working in the way that he's been working all along. There's a sense of continuity in Jesus' language that was new to me because I thought to myself, so, like, my basic assumption is that God did the creating work, right? Hit the Sabbath, did his rest, and then basically watched everything unravel and then initiated a saving redemption plan and went to, and went to work doing this, Right? And yet, what is inferred by what Jesus is saying is that he's been doing the same thing all along. The work of God has been consistent, right? Modeled through rest, yes. But what was God doing in the beginning? Well, God was was creating in the beginning. He He was imagining into chaos. Well, first from nothing and then into chaos. And he brings forth this creation. And he and, and, and so all of a sudden my work as I communicate with um what I call imaginators, but creative people vocationally, is to say creator God is this vision of creation, of of creating things, of imagining something and then making it be is the work of God right now. This is the kingdom work, right? So but I think it is more than just for those who self-identify as artists or creators because we all have this intrinsic God-given imagination. It's powerful. There are something like six point something million species of creature on planet Earth. I have the number somewhere, but of all of those species only one is capable of writing a nursery rhyme right we have this ability to create and to imagine and, and as I've thought about work because I love to work I do good meaningful work is I, I have a hard time I think that that's why Sabbath is, is, is such an important thing because if we find our groove we don't want to stop we just want to go um, And maybe our paid work is not that for us, but I'm convinced that the thing that's in you to do, that's actually what I start to refer to as work now. I think it's what Jesus talked about when he talked about work. Um, so, of all the things we can say about the vocations or the what God does for his work, savior, judge of the world all of those sorts of things. The underlying thing, the thing that he is first and foremost, and in the context of any other way we might imagine him working among us is as as a creator, as someone who comes along and imagines for us a different way of being, right? Um, and just so we have a clear sense that we share that, that that's not just a Jesus thing, but that we're invited into that same thing, in chapter 14 of, of uh, the book of John, in verses 10 and 12, it says this. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me, Jesus is saying? The words I say to you, I do not speak in my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. Now, we often put that passage, it's very familiar to us, and we often look at it as being like an amplifier, right? So if I have a guitar, it's a certain volume. If I plug it in, it gets louder. And so we say, wow, isn't that amazing? Jesus did all this amazing stuff and we can do even more amazing stuff because we have this passage that's an amplifier passage, right? I'm cool with that. That's not really the emphasis that I want to speak to today. What I want to speak to is that Jesus invites us into his work and he gives us a mode and a model and a way of being where we come alongside him and we get to work. So here's the question. Do we believe that we all have work to do and the kind of work that I mean is not the kind of work that drives us into the dust and turns us into machines and makes us part of a cog but the kind of work that brings us alive and that gets us up in the morning do we believe that we have jobs to do, work to do is there work to be done that, that's the right answer Uh, It it does need to be an answer, though, that is, is, in a sense, felt, right? It's a compelling kind of a thing, and I think, you know, this is not the subject of this morning's talk, but hope is deeply intertwined with this question, I think. It is not meaningless. It is not your job just simply to hold out and to live as moral a life as you can until you die in the hopes that you make the cut. That is not our story. So our hope, our sense of hope, is tied into our sense of what I would say vocation. Kingdom, vocation, work, a job. So what is that? Can we get more specific in how we apply this, how we think about this? Again, Jesus says this in John. We're still still in John 6. I'm jumping around. I think I'm doing justice to the text. If you want, I can shoot you out the te- the you know, texts and you can reference and make sure that I'm not doing some violence to the context here. Um, but John uh, chapter 6, 27 and 29, Jesus says, Do not work for the food that disappears, but for the food that remains to eternal life. The food which the Son of Man will give to you, for God the Father has put a seal of approval on him. So then he said to them, uh, or they said to him rather, What must we do to accomplish the deeds God requires? And Jesus replied, The deed God requires is to believe in the one who he sent. Yeah, it's amazing because it's amazingly simple. is belief, and not the kind of belief that just gives a mental assent to something, and we say, yes, that's true, that's, the, that's my answer to the question on the test, not that kind of belief, that kind of belief is almost useless, the kind of belief that Jesus is inviting us into is the sort of belief that we lean on and take risks towards. Do I believe that the floorboards in my second story of my house are going to hold me up? I have a belief in that, and so I can walk. It it means something. It changes the way I assume and the way I make my decisions. And I want to say this, and this is a little bit of a stretch, but I don't think so. Not, Not too much. I want to add something to this concept. I want to. I want to suggest that if belief is the active agent in our kingdom calling, in our kingdom job, our kingdom vocation, belief is the active agent. I want to say that I think that we can also believe for others. That we can believe God for others, and that that is an amazing place to call people forward. That that's the gospel. The gospel is, I think, powerfully evidenced when we can come alongside someone, see with the lens of Jesus, and call them forward into that future. Underpinned, yes, with our understandings of the gospel and being able to articulate the cross, and we're going to spend time with that in the coming weeks leading up to Easter, but that becomes good news when we can believe and call it forward. I call this the God-filled no, 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 sorry, that's past tense. The God-full imagination, because it's an ongoing thing. Our imaginations are not simply filled with God, and then they, this is an ongoing, is my imagination full of God, present tense, the Godful imagination. In Romans, Paul has this to say, and he's referring to Abraham and the faith of Abraham, and he says, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being the things that we're not. There's this phrase. God calls into being the things that we're not. And I think that's part of what it looks like for us to, to see the kingdom flourish around us. It is praying for the sick. It is engaging with and serving and, and feeding the poor and all of those sorts of things. It is those things. But they're not through the lens of religious activity. It's through the lens of the creational God who is restoring people to dignity and inviting them into something that is entirely new and beautiful. It is inviting them into an imagination that is a kingdom imagination. And it's full of hope and it's full of purpose. It's full of meaning. It's vocational. The sorts of things that can get us up in the morning. I want to give you an example of this in action. And this story hit me out of the blue this morning. I was contemplating this, and I was like, "Lord, what, what stories do I have?" That, and this came to me, and I might emotion, I might emote a little bit here. I got really emotional this morning as I remembered this. So my first career was uh, uh, as a bookseller. In most of you, many of you guys know that I worked in books. Um, beautiful uh bookstore in Winnipeg managed among the best I would say in the country if we need to measure these things, but I think it would be fair to say. And and I loved that job. And I s but I started I started out by working in chapters, which uh, chapters was very good to me. It, it introduced Livia and I. We both worked there. It was like a Romeo and Juliet thing. We were in opposite quadrants of the stores, of the store, you know, so anyway, it's another story. Um, but the funny thing is, is that I actually didn't even, like I loved books, but it never occurred to me to apply at the bookstore. I actually went to apply at the chapter, or uh, sorry, at the Starbucks. I was a young man, I was 22, and, uh, and I thought, you know, I want to go I want to work at Starbucks. Oh, while I'm here, I may as well drop off a resume at the bookstore. I like books. And so, anyway, so I get into this, and I'm a lowly, I have a lowly role in that environment. Very lowly role. Um, just kind of a clerk, right? And I'm doing my thing, and I just remember, and I couldn't tell you exactly when it happened or even the context of it, but I had a coworker named Ann. And Ann was... A, I would say she was in her mid-40s, perhaps her early 50s. She was at least twice my age, right? And she was somebody who I respected and looked up to because I felt very green. I felt very underqualified for anything particular. And whatever the set of circumstances, um, I was interacting with our general manager, with Dominic, a guy named Dominic, really cool fellow. And, uh, and I don't know what happened, but he made the quip... And it was just a ha-ha moment. But he said, what are you, what are you gunning for my job? Right? And, and I laughed and thought that was ridiculous. And then Ann, she overheard that. And she came up and she said, you know, I could see you do that. And it, it, it hit me in a real, like, it was like, that's ridiculous. Like, that is the most ridiculous thing I have ever heard. It felt, it felt a planet away from me in terms of, I just had never, it had never occurred to me. And so, fast forward six years, I am now working for this other bookstore in, um, in Winnipeg, and I started there, I was making, uh, I started there making eight twenty five an hour, and I was at the bottom of the pace to gale right at the very bottom, right at the entry level, because I wasn't qualified. I wasn't even qualified for the job because I didn't have a degree. And, um, and so, you know, and that was a good environment, and I just worked hard, and I loved it. I loved being in the bookstore, and I did what I do, right? And, um, and there was favor in any way. A number of years into my time there, and so this would have been in and around 2005, uh, one of the other stores that was... We had a couple stores in the city. The general manager was was moving on. And I had this crazy idea that maybe I could do that job. And, uh, and so I remember walking in to Holly McNally, at her office. She was the owner. And I felt so inadequate and ill-equipped and I figured they probably had already filled this position and, you know, and I just felt ridiculous. But somehow, somewhere in me was this belief that this was something that I had a capacity for and a desire to do, right? And so I walked in and I had this really sheepish kind of like, listen, I know you probably have someone already, this role already filled, but I just, I thought maybe I would throw my, my name out there and see, you know, if it makes sense or whatever, you know. And she she laughed, and she said, Chris, I was just thinking about how much I'd have to pay you to bribe you to go to that store, right? It was this wonderful, it was really, really cool. It was a really wonderful moment for me. And I can, I can say that that arc, without getting into things, because I'm going to wrap up here, but that arc, that story arc, was... A really roundabout way to opening up the door to everything that I'm doing that I value the most right now in my life. It's it's seriously, folks. It is not an exaggeration. It was based on the the reference of those people that I am where I am. Seriously, and and when I realized that the and, and I and this is this is I believe that this is true. Anne's gift to me was that she, she saw something and called something forward that didn't exist in my imagination. I did not have an imagination for it. And I love what I'm doing today. I could have died happy uh, managing bookstore. I loved it. I loved it. And I was good at it. I would say I felt a lot more competent in that role in some ways than this one. But I'm so thankful. And there's no way that Anne had any sense of what she was doing. There's no way that she would correlate that moment as being a, a, a slight redirection that would literally alter the entire shape of my life to, to come. And so I, and I hadn't seen it, this watershed moment this morning. I think it can be that simple. I think that the work of the kingdom can be that simple. Particularly if we come with the intent and the eyes of the imagination of God. And instead of hitting somebody up with a bunch of doctrines when we see a moment, instead we call them forward into a future that we think maybe we can see for them through the lens of God's eyes. That's powerful stuff. I've seen that happen in other instances the resonance of it. So what we're going to spend for the next couple of weeks is we're going to look at what, that, what shape that takes because I think that there are particular tools that God uses over and over again to do his work of creation and his work of recreation. And so we're going to look at those things through the lens of what we talked about this morning because I think it's at the center of um, the flourishing of the good news around us. And I'm really excited about that.